Welcome, friends. This is your host, Holly, from The Healing Hall. It is by going down into the abyss that we recover the treasures of life. Where you stumble, there lies your treasure by Joseph Campbell. Book an appointment now. Let's overhaul your health at thehealinghall.com, where we haul out the waste and haul in the good nutrition. Before I get started, I just want to mention that I am a Christian. I've been one since I was born. I was um, born into a Methodist church that my grandmother took me to. Um, One of the problems I have with the church is the exact reason why we need the church is the people. Um, So it's such a contradiction, but um, while it's good to have people to keep you accountable, it is also very heavy to be constantly judged by your actions and to not understand them and not to be understood for them. So I wanted to first mention this before I get started on my story because um, not many people from that world are going to understand where I am coming from, what I had to do to process my trauma. And this is what, it's not the only way to process trauma, but it is what I did to process my trauma. And um, I didn't have the help. I didn't have the therapy. I didn't have the guidance. I didn't reach out to people to let them know what had happened to me. And when I did, um, I didn't exactly get the help I needed in the beginning until I found somebody that was good enough to help me. This is going to be very graphic. So if you're not interested in hearing about sex, well, as I put it, my sex capades, um, then stop listening right now because I'm going to go into some detail and I'm going to explain what I was thinking, what I was feeling, some of the interactions I had, um, and how I ended up having sex with a lot of people in a very short period of time. So here we go. This is your chance to tune out if you don't want to hear this. Have an addiction. There's something driving it. For, uh, For me, for a sex addiction, it was driven by needing to have some sort of control over my body, over my myself. And that is the emotional component right there. That's the emotional component. Then you tie into it the dopamine, the excitement, the dopamine reaction. So I'm getting, um, even if it's not positive attention, there is this attention seeking that is happening because I'm getting this attention. I'm feeling wanted. I'm getting um, a, a really great chemical reaction in my brain every time I'm meeting up with these men that is being released. And then you have, when you add that to the euphoric feeling of having an intense sexual interaction with an orgasm. So now you have dopamine, you have the um, chemicals that are released when you orgasm, oxytocin that is released to connect you to the person. Um, and, And what happens with a sex addict 
is they don't necessarily get connected to the person themselves because it's sort of an out-of-body experience in many ways. They are um, more attracted to the sex. So it's a body. So for me, I needed a physical body. I need somebody physically that I could touch. So the oxytocin gave me a connection of skin. Didn't matter who wore the skin. Um, they had to be attractive. They had to, you know, I had my list of what they needed to be, but that was what was driving my addiction was the, um, there's, there's also like a mania sort of tied into this. So, and a lot of times when my addiction would pick up, it was when I would feel in despair, I would feel worthless. I would feel unwanted undesirable. Um, I would feel um, inadequate as just a person, a human. Um, So there was a lot of emotions driving this addiction because then I'm attention seeking. I'm wanting to feel wanted. I'm wanting to feel excitement. I'm wanting to feel um, skin, you know, that, that oxytocin feeling that I didn't really get as a child. I didn't get that nourishment that I needed in the right way. So that is how this all ties in. And then what I did get, what it, the only attention I really did get from my father was this sexual attention. So then that got tied into that very unhealthy, dysfunctional, abusive relationship I had with my father. So you can see how this addiction was created. And this this applies to any addiction. It's not just mine. But what did mine look like? When I would come out of a depression, um, I would then get in these manic states because I wanted to have excitement. I wanted to feel wanted. I want all these things. I wanted to be more than what I currently was. I wanted to feel more than what I currently was. And I had no idea how to do that in a healthy way. Uh, The only way I knew how was through sex. So here we are going to go into some examples. So if you don't want to hear them, stop listening. I'm not going to go in order. I had already tried to do that. um, And I wasted my time because it just was sort of eh. But I'm going to... I'm going to tell you about some times. So I needed more excitement. The, the, the more dangerous, the better it seemed. So I chose these people um, that I decided to have sex with, sometimes randomly, sometimes not so randomly. So there was one um, sweet guy that I liked when I was younger. He, um, he hit on me on the freeway. <laughs> So I was getting ready to take my car in and he sees me on the freeway. We're flirting on the freeway and then he follows me. So creepy, right? Well, not to a sex addict. That was exciting, right? Here, That's when this danger and, and sex comes in. So he pulls over, asks me for my number and I give it to him. And so then we start hooking up and I remember we first had sex in the back of his truck and it was so exciting. We went on the side of a store building, um, just out in the public and had sex. And now there'd probably be cameras and we'd be arrested. But back then there, there wasn't. So it was, it was really exciting. It was something I hadn't really done before because, um, all through high school, I'd only been with one person. I had only been with the person that I was really 
stuck with. Um, I definitely had some form of Stockholm syndrome because of what had happened to me with my mother. In earlier episodes, you can listen to, to my story. So I had this excitement with this man, but he was so emotional and I, he would have been a great boyfriend and I wish he was cause I really did like him, but, um, it got to a certain point where I didn't want to hurt him and I was in no place to be in a relationship. And I called them my anchor men because the, um, men that I used to get out of my sex addiction were just anchors. They, they weren't more than that to me. And a lot of times I would stay in these relationships longer than I should because I was scared of what I would do if I was out of them because I knew my pattern. I, I was at one, at a certain point, I became aware of it. So I would name these men for the most part. So um, based on characteristics, based on maybe a chat. So if they said something that I thought was silly or weird or quirky, that would be their name. So, um, there was one man that really, I didn't want to sleep with, but then when I showed up, I just felt a responsibility (laughs) and he was not my type. So, uh, definitely one of those things where the picture did not, did not meet up with, uh, who I actually got. And I'm not really into shorter men. So men that are shorter than me, I'm five, six. So if you're shorter than me, there's gotta be some deep connection. (laughs) because otherwise it's not happening. So I I meet up with this man in uh, LA, California, and his, you walk into his apartment and there is this massive, bigger than a king size bed, just taking up the entire living room. And it's so gaudy. It's like Greek, um, met Cleopatra, met, like, it's just, it's gold, it's shiny, it's got gaudy floral prints everywhere, it's got curtains, it's, it's just hideous, and it takes up the whole room. So, um, I just sort of pity sexed him, because I was already there, I drove a while to get there, and, uh, one of, one of the encounters I wish I hadn't done. So, I end up falling asleep because I'm exhausted at this point because I had just been having so much sex lately and I'd been going from one guy to the next and um, the drive just had me really tired. I did not mean to fall asleep on this gaudy bed, but I did. And I wake up to him staring at me, asking me if we could do it again. (laughs) It's so creepy. It was so creepy. So, um, I decided to do it again, and then I made it up an excuse as to why I had to leave because I was so creeped out. And so these these were risky, dangerous behaviors that I had during these times because I was in somewhat of a manic state. I was in this um, driven, although like, you know, people are so quick to try to classify you um, in psychology. It was definitely driven by an addiction. It wasn't anything more than that. So I, I, I leave and, um, that, that was that guy, you know, like it, it was just, but I called him the King because he had this massive King size bed and that was his name. And so this was a way that allowed me to do this and keep my emotions separated from it. 
So as long as I called them something different, something other than their real name, they weren't human to me. They were skin. They were um, a quick dopamine fix. They were a oxytocin release. They were they were a connection. They were a self-esteem booster. They, they were so much more than um, what I even was aware of at the time. So um, there's that guy. Then there was, I, I really was attracted to more of the dominant type personalities. So the lawyers, the um, higher up tech nerds, like I was really attracted to these powerhouses because I was looking, part of me was looking for power, right? So I, I I met up with this Indian man and I really actually did like him as a person. He actually treated me the most out of anybody as a person. So he would always meet um, for lunch. He'd always want to meet me for lunch. And a lot of times he'd want to take me out to dinner. He'd want, he, he more was wanting a relationship with me, but I, I just couldn't do that. So, um, again, he got labeled, you know, so he had a name and it, it might've been, um, Indian man, I think is actually what I named him because, um, he was the only man that was an Indian that I was dating and he took me out. I had never had Indian food before, which was extremely hot. I had no idea. <laughs> so <laughs> that was, uh, like, oh my gosh, you're trying to kill me. Cause it was so hot. Um, but that, that's who this man was. So he wasn't circumcised and I, it was the first time I had been with a man that had not been circumcised. So it was just crazy. Cause I didn't know what to do with it. So I'm, I'm trying to, um, I had gotten really good at techniques on things I knew, but I did not know this. So I'm trying to, you know, excite this man in ways I already knew how to do it. And I had to learn different tools. So I almost met with him multiple times. One, because I sort of liked him, but two, because I, I thought, gosh, you know, maybe um, I could learn how to do this, but it wasn't my thing. Like I really, I really am not into the uncircumcised. I, I eventually had to stop seeing him because, uh, later on I find out that he's married. So he's in the U S but his wife is in India and apparently this is typical and, um, it was arranged marriage, no love, not excited, doesn't want to be in the marriage, but can't get out of the marriage because it's against their culture and their family would be, you know, shun and, and disrespected because of his behaviors. So I, you know, he put me in a situation I didn't really want to be in. And so I felt betrayed. I felt lied to. I felt deceived because I would have never wanted to be part of that type of an exchange. So um, there were consequences with my addiction. Always always consequences. A lot of times I couldn't even have predicted or made up myself. So I, I ran into many of these. There was another man um, that had liked me for a while is when I was younger. And um, I finally, I had gotten really drunk one night. Um, I was living at my friend's apartment at the time. And uh, he decided to take me into, um, one of the bedrooms and we had sex and, um, he had a micro penis 
I'm not kidding. Like, it's a real thing. Like, you think it's not a real thing. It's a real thing. I think a baby would have a larger penis than he did. So it was so tiny. I remember um, asking him, like, oh, do you need me to do something? Because I had never even felt it go in. And he's like, I'm done. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> like, I think I embarrassed him so much about his micro penis that he never wanted to see me again. And honestly, I never wanted to see him again because I'm like, that's it. Like, that's like, what? You know, I heard the grower, not a shower, but that was just a complete disappointment. So I, I feel so bad. Um, obviously, that's some sort of a disability for him, but um, not what I would have chosen to have sex with had I known. Gosh, there's so many. There was um, a guy that I ended up uh, marrying, actually. It was an old, thank God, but it was my first technically my first husband, but I met him at the beach at one o'clock in the morning, rollerblading in a thong. So yeah, um, great choices. But I, I used that sort of as bait. I was very, very fit. I had blonde hair down to my butt. I was your typical California dream girl, I guess, back in the day. And I would rollerblade and I sort of called it fishing because I would throw myself, I'd be the bait and see who grabbed. And it was really just to have sex. So this guy was uh, available at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> again, risky, dangerous. Um, I ended up driving him home again, super dangerous. And then the first time I ever really realized I could be in danger um, in a big way is the man asked me, um, hey, how do you know I'm not an axe murderer? Like, you're just <laughs> rollerblading in a thong and then you drive me home. And I'm like, oh, you know, like I had some stupid response. But I ended up dating him and we had some steamy sex. So he, um, little did I know, I thought he owned, and this is part of the reason why we got an annulment. He was um, a con artist. <laughs> that fleed uh, another state because he had um, warrants out. So I had no idea. But apparently he was cleaning these beach houses um, down in Mission Beach. And he told me he owned them. So I, I, I've i never been one for money because my family sort of came from it. And I, I just have a distaste because I saw what it, at least my side of the fence did with it. So it just wasn't appealing to me. Um, anytime a guy tries to sell me with how much money they make, it makes me want to vomit. That wasn't really appealing like it probably is to most girls. I was excited to be at the beach. Um, I somewhat grew up. My grandfather had a house right on the beach at Mission Beach, so it's, it wasn't new to me to be down there. So we, um, we went in one beach house, had hot, steamy sex, went, had the waves crashing over us, had sex in the beach, in the water, just out in the open, um, had sex on the beach, like when there weren't a lot of people around. So, I mean, we were always careful so that people wouldn't see us, but it was, there's a risk factor there. Um, went to another beach house until finally the actual owner was, uh, showing it to, to a family to see if they wanted to stay there. And here's, um, 
both of us naked in this beach house had been staying there all weekend and uh luckily he let me go i don't i don't really know all the consequences that um came to the man but these are these are my experiences uh there was another another man i called him tattoo guy and so that last one was was my beach beach guy um and the tattoo guy it was really his father that was a tattoo artist and he was more of an entrepreneur-ish type um trying to get into the same field as his father had lots of tattoos all over him I found him quite attractive he had um blue green eyes um was tall and slender but muscular and he was edgy and I liked that about him Plus, he was bold when he hit on me. We were at a bar with um, one of my friends, and he just approached me in a way that just demanded attention. And I, it, that was fiery to me. So I'm like, yes, I want that. So we end up having sex in the back of my car. I had an Xterra at the time um, right there. First day I met him, I just grabbed him and took him. And so that's how that started. But then... Me and him set the world on fire with um, the passion we shared. So I went um, and climbed a building. I had him bend me over the building, over the roof, extremely dangerous. And we had sex. So the fact that I could fall over the building was exciting to me. Um, and see, this is how a sex addiction can escalate. So mine started to escalate because I needed more excitement with the sex to orgasm, to be excited, to get the dopamine reaction. And that is what happens with addiction, with other addictions is you need more. You need more drugs. You need more alcohol. You need more to get that same effect. So then how do you top that? So then we go to um, one of the freeways by my home had like this huge center median and dirt and they were, they were really doing construction or starting construction on it. So it was somewhat safe to just stop in the middle of the freeways um, where they, they, you know, are going separate ways. So I pull over into the center of the freeway and again, I have him bend me over the concrete divider and we have sex in the open on the freeway. So exciting, right? Dangerous, right? So I'm escalating. Then where, you know, like, how do you top that? And so then I take him to this really dangerous cliff, <laughs> this dangerous cliff at the beach that's completely isolated. Like if the water had taken us, we would have died. So the rocks are extremely slippery. I have him bend me over the rock of the, um, as the waves are crashing over us. And it was so dangerous. We both end up slipping. We almost fall into the water. He gets up out of the, the rock area. I'm stuck. I need his help to get me out. It was so dangerous. Um, I can't even tell you how dangerous it was. So that is how our fleeing romance happened. And it was hot. It was steamy. It was exciting. And then there was the bullfighter that I, I got to mention him because he's 
like he topped it all off and I can't even put into words um what we exchanged but he I found him at the club I started dancing I had 10 pounds I wanted to lose like I I was super fit at the time I was running my butt off so I was running six miles biking 10 miles I was hiking every day I was super good shape and um, in my mind, I needed 10 more, 10 more pounds because uh, I was so focused on the, the actual weight, not that I was almost a size four, you know, like, so it was, it wasn't, uh, good enough. I, I needed the weight I needed. I, I had these unrealistic goals for my body and myself. I meet this guy at the clubs because I'm going to dance those 10 pounds off. I'm going to dance them off. I have no problem to dance whether I'm drunk or not. So I'm not the type of person that needs to be drunk or high or whatever you want to call it to let loose. Um, I had a routine. I would grab one drink, uh, make sure that I bought it. So that way, because um, I, I encountered one man that tried to roofie me and I caught him before he did it. And so I didn't accept drinks anymore after that. Not to mention, he got so mad that I didn't go home with him. This is one of those, uh, I'm a millionaire jerks. He kicked my car. Like he, he, he had boots on and he kicked the front of my car so hard that it dented my car and I had to go put in the claim. And I didn't even know who the dude was. So like I had to end up, it was like, I, I call it the $500 drink because that's how much it cost me to rep do the repairs. And it wasn't worth a free drink. That was what, under $10? Um, just not even worth it. So I never let anybody buy me a drink. I always bought one drink. That's all I would drink. And then I would dance. The bullfighter would watch me dance. And um, I, I see, I loved that because there's this buildup of sexual tension and he admired me and it was just so passionate. So then when he approached me first, he started dancing with me. So he would watch me. He'd make sure I knew he was watching me. And then every once in a while he would come and dance with me and it was just so passionate. So finally he takes me home and let me tell you, it was by far the hottest sex I've ever had. And um, there wasn't this super risky sex on the freeway. I didn't need that with him, but it was just this constant pulling each other in to each other's skin that, and, and it wasn't, it wasn't this aggressive, fast sex. It was passionate. It was each thrust had meaning. It was just something I've never experienced ever again, <laughs> only with him. So, um, I, I date him for like a month and this goes on this pattern of him watching me in this sexual tension and this taking me home. And then at one point he puts on his bullfighter costume for me and uh, costume, I guess it's a, I don't even know what you call it. Uniform. I don't know. I don't know, but he put it on. And, um, like we had something even more than what, uh, like I was allowing myself, even though I called him bullfighter, I, in fact, to this day, I don't even know his real name because that's what I called him bullfighter. And again, this kept the emotion out of it. Right. But I was starting to have feelings for him until he just totally, um, got mad at me 
prefer dancing with somebody else because he, at some point, he was from Ecuador and they, you know, in, in his mind, there was ownership. I was his. So uh, he didn't like that, even though before that was part of it is he would watch me dance with other men and there was like this attraction to that. But I guess at this point, it wasn't okay. So then he takes me back again to his house. But then he has, again, a beach house. So his um, bedroom had all these glass, um, sliding glass doors that you could see through. And he, in front of me, has sex with somebody else. Um, That really wasn't, in my opinion, very attractive. And he did it just to spite me. And then he wanted everything to go back to normal. Like, hey, like, what? What did I do? And so I never saw him again. I told him, you know, sorry, like, this can't continue. Because he was still called the bullfighter, it was easy for me to do. So anyways, these are just a few of my stories. I have many. I was able to sleep with a lot of people in a short period of time. And then I would, like I said, I would I would get those anchor boyfriends to get me out of it. And those relationships really weren't meaningful because they were the anchor. They they were it was a tool. And this is part of uh sex addiction. So I hope um anyways I hope you enjoyed my story. This this is what I did. It was a coping mechanism. If I could leave you with anything, it was a coping mechanism. Remember, it's your life, it's your health. Take charge because healing is possible. <laughs> <laughs>